Hey, deserving listeners. Today, I'm going to talk about having a therapy office in your own house. I actually have a therapy office in my house, and a patron emailed in and asked the following thing. I am interested in having a home office and wondered if you might do an episode on this topic. I know you have a home office, and I thought you might lend us patrons and listeners your perspectives on having a home office. What is it like having a home office? What are the considerations from the patient's perspective? I've seen a home office setup go famously well for my supervisor, who has had a home office for, the, for more than 15 years. She says she wouldn't do therapy any other way. With that said, I've come across comments from colleagues and other professionals in, in the psychotherapy field about how they would never have a home office. I have talked with some of my closest peers, and a few of them share an interest in the topic. Okay, so that is a, an email from a patron. So today, I'm going to talk about the ethics involved in a home office, the risks of a home office, the benefits, the considerations, the paranoia, and so on, and, and you know, just kind of what, it, what it's like and how I do it personally myself for the past 16 years. Welcome to the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. This episode is just for patrons of the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron of the podcast yet, this episode will end before the content begins. If you want to hear the full episode, you have to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Go to Psychology in Seattle, become a patron. Patrons get access to all the premium episodes. I'll, I'll send you an email telling you how to do that. And know that a part of your portion of your pledge goes toward, part of your portion part of your pledge goes towards different charities that we support. All right, welcome to the Patron Zone people. Thank you for becoming a patron. We love you so so much. So regarding home offices, people are paranoid. In my experience, uh, if 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 they're against home offices, they're paranoid. They're paranoid about getting in trouble with the law or something, even though that's just not possible. They're paranoid about clients trying to kill them, which is just a strange paranoia if you're in the field. Or they're just super judgmental, and they think this is a good target for them to judge people about. You know, they'll say, oh, I would never have a home office. That's completely unethical. You know, th these people, they have no idea what they're talking about, and they're just talking out of their ass. I mean, I've been known to do a, a bit of ass-talking myself, but uh, uh, this is annoying ass-talking by judgmental people. And ironically, I'm judging them for judging people. But anyway, so just a little, little snippet of history. Many of the founders of psychotherapy had home offices, like Freud and Jung and Winnicott. My mentor, Paul David, has a home office. You know, many of the uh, prominent people in our field had home offices. So it's not, it's not like it's a new thing. I looked into the research, and without going into the weeds on that, I'll just say that uh, the little research, there's not much research, but the little research that has been done on home offices for therapists basically supports home offices as an option for us. Um, you know, in terms of um, support from uh, others and in terms of outcomes, it's 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 generally positive. So, uh, so just know that. Okay. So, what are the good things? I'll, I'll get into the risks and everything later. But let's just establish the good things about having a home office. First off, you save a ton of money. 
offices are expensive. When I came, you know, when I when I first became a private practice therapist, I initially didn't want to do a home office. I looked into renting offices, and I immediately realized how freaking expensive office spaces, particularly when you live in a place like Seattle, uh, you know, smaller towns, it's going to be cheaper, but it's still expensive in smaller towns. You're basically renting another house. Uh, I used to think of offices as like, oh, you know, they'd be pretty cheap, right? No, they're the, it's, this, it's the same as renting an apartment. It's just a little studio apartment that you're renting, essentially. And it's it's not just an apartment, but you're often renting the security system, the bathroom, the cleaning of the hallways. You're, you're paying a lot of extra money for a lot of things. And so it can be very expensive. For instance, there are offices that I know that are 1000 a month or 1500 a month. Of course, there are much cheaper things like than that, like if you sublet or you find a sweet deal on something, but still it's, it's a lot of money. And when you think about, you know, if you have a practice for 20, 30 years and it's a thousand dollars a month or, you know, $800 a month, that's, that's, uh, what is that? It's 10,000 a year times 20 years. It's $200,000. It's a lot of money if I'm doing my math right. <laughs> and uh, so a home office, you don't have to pay a cent for that. You completely save all that money. And as a result, you can charge less to your clients, which is what I do. Traditionally, over time, I, I've never charged what my colleagues that have a similar experience level will charge, partially because I just feel like I have enough money being paid to me, uh, you know, my, my current rate is 140 and I feel like, you know, it's, it's pretty good and I'm raising it to 150 soon by the way, but, but uh, I have colleagues that charge 250. And so I say to myself, well, I'm saving money with a home office so I can pass that savings along to my clients. Also, you, you save on taxes. You can write off a part of your home as a home office so that means if it's a mortgage or a rent, part of that money that you're paying for your mortgage and your rent and your utilities and, and any improvements you do to your home office is a, not, is a business expense. And therefore, it, it, it reduces your profit for your business. For instance, you say you earn $100,000 as a therapist revenue-wise, but your, the rent of your home is X amount of dollars. And when you figure out how much percentage uh, square foot of your home office is, you can, you can write off like uh, $10,000. So instead of a hundred thousand, instead of paying taxes on a hundred thousand dollars as revenue, you're now only paying taxes on $90,000 because you get to reduce your profit due to the expense of your home office. You would do the same as if you had a regular office too, but, but you know, that, that can add up over time. And again, you can uh, charge less to your clients as a result because you're you're saving money. Also, no commute. For many therapists, a commute is is a part of their job. And I can tell you for myself, I hate commuting. I I I loathe it. Seattle has traditionally extremely bad traffic, but even if it was good traffic, I just hate getting in my car. I hate driving. I hate 
you know, getting into, uh, people merging and almost killing me. I hate parking. I hate getting out of my car. I, I love, love being in my house. I feel very comfortable here. <laughs> and as a result of feeling very comfortable and not being stressed out by a commute and parking and all this other stuff, I'm therefore way more available emotionally to my clients. When my clients arrive, I am serene, I'm relaxed, I have my pets. I mean, imagine having your pets right there. I have my own bathroom, I have my own refrigerator, I have my own everything. And when my clients arrive, uh, I've had a home office for 16 years, I'm just super chill. Whereas when I'm at the office, that is not, I would say at the, the chillest I'm possibly when I'm at my other offices, which is at the university, so on the scale from one to 10 with 10 being like super stressed and one being super chill, when I'm at home and a client shows up, I'm a one. I'm, I'm like serene, man. I am like super balanced. When I'm at the office at my university, even without any kind of stress in my life, I would say baseline, I'm a three or a four. I, you know, when you're at work, there's just less of a feeling of it being your own space and I'm sure some people are different in that way, but that's how I am. I'm, you know, I'm just super chill at home and I'm not so chill when I'm at the office. (laughs) Um, Not that I'm like a raging stress ball at, at the university, but I just notice in my body, I'm just not as chill. Anyway, also parking at your home office is, is often free. Now it depends. I, I had a home office in uh, downtown Belltown, Seattle, and parking was not free there. But in my other home offices that I've had in the past 16 years, I've lived more in suburbia, and therefore street parking is, or even just my own parking lot that I have for my house is free. And so that's a benefit to clients. If, if you've ever been a client and had to pay for parking, uh, it's just, it's annoying, you know, uh, it's, it's nice for my clients. They pull right up to my house and they walk in and everything's fine. Also home offices are often more convenient for clients because you're not having as a client, you're not having to go to a city center to see your therapist. I, for instance, right now am in the middle of suburbia and clients from the, the amount of therapists in my neighborhood, it's not very high because there's not a lot of office space in my neighborhood. It's mostly residences. And so, and so if you have a home office, it might actually be uh, distance wise, a lot more convenient for, for your clients. You know, for instance, the amount of therapists who have offices downtown Seattle is, is really high. And the amount of people who live downtown Seattle is actually not proportionally as high because downtown Seattle has a ton of office space, you know, uh, that's affordable. And so that's why that happens. Also, you can completely customize your therapy environment. You can customize the lighting, the carpet, the bathroom, everything. Uh, You have much more control in general over a home office than you would if you were renting an office in a building. Also, just, you know, kind of a side note, clients might feel honored that you trust them enough to let them into your house. They, in turn, might feel more relaxed. I mean, for myself, when I've gone to therapists, when you go to an office and it feels sterile, it just, you know, doesn't feel as comfortable as when you're really cozy. 
And certainly some people have non-home offices that are very cozy, but home offices are often a lot more cozy. <laughs> okay. So those are a lot of good things. And those are, those are tremendous things. That, you know, if, if you're a therapist and you, you have decades of a career ahead of you, those are, you know, day to day, a big deal, not driving, saving all that money, being relaxed in your own space. Those are, those are extremely beneficial uh, things. I mean, just think about all the people who would love to work from home, regardless of where they work, you know, they work at Amazon and they, they are allowed to quote the telecommute, they call it. I just love that telecommute. Um, they're, they're allowed to work from home one day a week and just how, how wonderful that is. You know, you get up out of bed and you're in your jammies and you do some emails and then you pet your cat and then you go back to work. And I think when I do that, I'm way more productive, just extremely more productive. And so, uh, I, you know, having a home office is just a wonderful thing. If I had to rent an office, I, I, over the past 16 years, I don't know where I'd be today, honestly, because like I said, I'm just the sort of person that really thrives in a, in a home office and, and whatever the opposite of thriving I do in a regular office. Um, some of you might be thinking, oh, Kirk must be this super outdoorsy person because he hates office. I'm actually not. <laughs> I'm not an outdoorsy person. Uh, I mean, I like the outdoors, but I, no one would ever call me an outdoorsy person in my personal life. I just like my own space, <laughs> I guess. I feel, you know, I just feel really comfortable in my own space. Anyway, okay, let's get into the risks and the problems for the patron that wrote in here. So one of the risks that people will say is that your clients will just show up at your house. Like in the movie, What About Bob? Your client just shows up at your house. Well, I'm here to tell you that never happens. Or when it does, it's extremely rare. And if it does happen, you probably shouldn't have allowed that client to become a client because they're at risk of doing such things. But I'm here to tell you that among everyone I know that has a home office, including myself, this has never happened. I've never had a client just show up at my house. And this is all based on a prejudice or a stereotype about who a client is. Clients are, I go to therapy, so I am a client. Many of, uh, most therapists go to, go to therapy. Most of my listeners have been to therapy. Are these people likely to just show up at their therapist's house? No, they're, they'd be mortified by that. Plus, why would they want to do that? I mean, what would be the purpose of, of bothering your therapist in that way? That's a surefire way to be terminated. Again, but again, what would be the purpose of that, of just showing up at your, client, at your therapist's house? So th- th- uh, this notion that they'll just show up at your house, again, is usually a result of paranoia, about who a client, about what clients, who they actually are and what they're capable of. And also just a gross stereotype of who clients are and what they're capable of. Now, having said that, as a marriage and family therapist, most of my clients are talking about their marriages, their relationships, their parenting, their uh, just their life goals. I get a lot of people in the upper end of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
I, I, I have the privilege for whatever reason of just not getting any clients that are suffering from major mental illness. Occasionally I, I get a client like that, but I usually will screen them out because it's just not the sort of population that I'm excited about working with. Not that people with chronic mental illness aren't great people, but it's just not my expertise or what I'd like my life to be like. Plus again, I have a home office and, and people live with me. And so I have to think about all that kind of stuff. So it's, so the fact, so the worry that people are just going to show up at your house is a paranoia never happens or it's extremely rare. And honestly, if a client really wanted to show up at your house, they wouldn't have to, just because you had a non-home office, like a, a regular office in an office building, that doesn't mean they can't follow you home and figure out where you live and just and just show up at your house, or even just Google you and figure out where you live. I mean, it, the 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 fact that you have a home office isn't the only way a crazy person who wants to stalk you could find you. You know, so just having an office in an office building doesn't protect you necessarily from those kinds of things. Um. You know, uh, clients don't even call me. I have one phone number. I don't have a landline anymore. I just have my cell phone. And I've had one phone number for 15 years-ish. Well, cell phones. One of the first... Anyway, a long time. I've had, I've had one phone number. Well, maybe like 15 years. I've had one phone number. One phone number for my mother, one phone number for my family, one phone number for all of my clients, one phone number for my work. You know, I have one phone number and clients never call me <laughs> because I have the sort of clients that just don't need to call their therapists. Or if they do, they leave a message and I call them back when I get a chance. And so, so I, I say this because just to really drive home that this the stereotype that clients are needy or dependent or bother therapists is just really not the case. Certainly there are clients like that, but I don't get clients like that. And many clients are not like that. Clients are just basically not as crazy and weird as people in the general public think they are. Okay. Another uh, worry is that clients will harm you somehow, that they will kill you or try to stab you or, I don't know, rob you or something. Again, never happens. I'm sure there are cases where it's happened, but it's extremely rare. Clients like us, they don't want to harm us. They gener There's really very little, you know, people will hate judges, they'll hate their lawyers because their lawyers will fuck them over or they'll hate their coworkers because their coworker got a promotion when they didn't. People generally like their therapists because their therapists are there to help them. As long as you stay away from risky situations where a client might hate you, the, the chance that a client would ever want to harm you is pretty low. Plus, like I've been saying, clients, even if they are angry at you, are not the sort of people who would actually harm you in real life. So, uh, again, it's just a gross stereotype that a, a client would kill you. And also, if you were in an office in an office building, your client can still kill you. It's not like being in an office building is some protective shield from murder. You can be murdered anywhere. So, you know, it's just not something that is endemic to having a home office. Also, you need to screen your clients more. When you're working out of an office in an office building and 
you had a client come who has very bad boundaries and is hallucinating and uh, is a is a threat of some kind. It's a lot easier to extract yourself from that relationship and and you know terminate therapy and say I think you should go to my colleague blah blah blah. Whereas if you're in your house, then they might you know target you. They might because they know where you live, or at the very least, you're going to lie awake at night wondering if this person is going to do anything to you. And so there's a simple solution to this. You just screen them over the phone a little bit more. You talk to them over the phone. You make sure everything's on the up and up. And, you know, there are ways of detecting those things. It's never for sure, but but there are ways of detecting those things. And again, most people who have uh, those kinds of problems don't find themselves in private practice. They usually find themselves at hospitals or agencies or yeah, other kinds of places like that. Okay. What about the ethical codes? Are there ethical codes that concern themselves with home offices? Well, I'm here to tell you that no. There's no, among all the different ethical codes, marriage and family therapy, counseling, psychology, social work, etc. There's no code that, prohibit, that prohibits a home office or even really talks about it explicitly. And having a home office is, in our field, considered to be within the quote-unquote standard of care, which means that it's, it's ethical to have a home office. It's considered to be within the standard of care to have a home office because so many therapists have home offices and, and everything's fine. You just need, in terms of ethical considerations about home office, you just need to make sure that your clients have informed consent they need to understand it's a home before the first session. When I, when people contact me, I, I usually try to route them to email because it's easier to schedule over email because I can type out all the different times I have available over the next few weeks because I usually have really uh, limited availability. And so I will uh, tell them over email, this is a home office, just so you know. And then they can back out if they want. So you, you don't want to, you don't want it to be a surprise for a client. They show up at your home and they're like, uh, I didn't realize this was a home office. You don't want to do that. So informed consent, you want to, clients need to know what they're getting into before they get into it. You need to give them a chance to back out if they want to. Also, you might want to inform clients about other kinds of things like, you know, where, if you live with other people, where they're going to be. So I tell my clients that my uh, if I live with anybody, they will not be around, or they will they can't hear into the office. I made sure that my therapy office is soundproof, and so you know I just want to really make sure that people are comfortable and that they know what's going on. Also, uh, you want to think about privacy and confidentiality. Like clients might bump into each other as they're coming in and out of your house. But this is the same for uh, offices and office buildings. Um, therapists that I've been to in office buildings, I'll bump into the clients before and after the, <laughs> before and after the session. So the, the only time I've ever seen a solution to this was I had a professor back in the day when I was 25 and I visited her office just because it was for some assignment, but she had an indoor for the client. So she had a waiting room and then an indoor into her office. And then she had another door that was an outdoor 
that went directly outside. And so clients would never bump into each other. But that's really rare because that's expensive, you know, to have two different entrances. That's, 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 a, that's an expensive layout and unreasonable that every therapist would have that. Um, you need, uh, so that's the ethical considerations. But here's another thing that you'll hear as a risk is that you need to have a separate entrance. You need to have your, your home, your therapy office can't, clients can't walk in through the front door. They have to come in through a very specific door. So if you have a home office, you're supposed to have a door. You, you often, this means building a new door in your house so that clients can come directly in and out of your office. And you'll also hear people saying that you need a separate bathroom. That's just for clients. You need a bathroom. That's just for clients. This is not true. <laughs> you don't need those things. I remember hearing that when I first had a home office, people would say, Oh, okay. So you have a separate entrance. And I was like, uh, no, I actually see people in my living room. People walk in, people walk in the front door, like anyone else. We walk into my living room and I do therapy there. And so it, it, it's, it's not true that you need a separate entrance. Now, a separate entrance is a luxury that you actually, if you can achieve, is actually a great thing because it solves a lot of problems and you don't need to do a lot of other things. But, and having a separate bathroom makes it a lot easier as well, which I'll get into in a second. But it's not necessary. There's no ethical code that says, if, if thou has a home office, thou shall have a separate entrance. There's nothing like that. And you can absolutely operate within the standard of care by having a different arrangement. Because it's what people often get hung up on are the rules. Like, what are the rules? There are no rules. There's, there's no rules of therapy other than confidentiality. And you want to help people. You want to be a benefit to their life and you don't want to harm them. And so it just because, so for instance, in my very first home office, currently I have a, an office office. It's a bedroom essentially that's converted into an office. But originally I had a, I had, they, people just came into my living room. And this is when I lived on Beacon Hill. And I just made sure that whoever I lived with just wasn't home or was sequestered in one of the other rooms and, and wouldn't come out during, during the sessions. But usually no one was home and it was just me. And so, so, the, so confidentiality is fine. They can come, we could occupy my entire house and everything's fine because no one's home. <laughs> and the bathroom issue... The only reason why you would need to have a separate bathroom is if you were worried that your client was going to bump into someone you live with in the bathroom, or if the bathroom that your family uses is dirty and has a bunch of shit everywhere. Um, but for instance, in the current house home that I live in, I, there's three bathrooms. And so the bathroom that my clients use is basically the guest bathroom, and it's pretty easy to keep that clean. You need to keep medications out of that bathroom because clients, on the off chance that they kind of rummage through your stuff, you don't want to have things that would harm them in there. But that's a pretty rare thing, too, that your client... I mean, I guess clients are likely to snoop, but the, but the possibility they're going to steal something from you, I would say, is pretty slim. But anyway, so... It's not a matter. There's no rules about that. You don't need to have a separate there. I haven't read anything from any ethical board that says you need to have a separate entrance. You just need to uphold confidentiality. 
You need to not harm your clients and, and everything's fine. And it just makes it easier if it's a separate entrance. So for instance, I ask clients to stay in their car and that's their waiting room. I say, you know, because I don't have a lobby, I ask that clients stay in their car and not approach my house until the appointment time. But as soon as the appointment time arrives, please approach the house and ring the doorbell. And that way clients aren't, you know, because if a client, most people usually like to arrive early at their appointment time, right? They don't usually drive up right at the appointment time. So, you know, they arrive five, 10 minutes early, or if they take the bus, they have to be here early. And the natural impulse is just to walk up and knock on the door. But I tell people uh, to not do that and, you know, to not do that until the appointment time. And some people think, well, you know, five minutes before he's probably free. And I'll, and I'll tell people, no, I might be going to the bathroom. I might be doing something. I might have a late session or a phone call. So I really need you to stay in your car until the appointment time. Now, you know, that's kind of janky, but it's just the brakes. <laughs> um, you know, obviously it's a lot more quote unquote professional to have that lobby, but, but having a lobby is expensive. I had, I heard a, a, um, horror story once when the, I can't remember who told me this a friend or a student or a colleague or someone, but they were telling me that they were walking out the, the therapy, the, th- the session was over home office the therapist is walking the client out and saying goodbye. And then the client and the therapist look outside and they see uh, one of the other clients approaching the house. And the, the, the second client, the new client, is, a, is approaching too early. And apparently the therapist had instructed her clients to stay in their car the way I do. And the therapist freaked out as the client was approaching and the therapist yelled at the set at the other clients said, stay in your car, stay in your car. <laughs> and the, my friend or colleague who whoever told me this didn't like the therapist and maybe didn't even go back because of, of this angry outburst that the therapist had. So, that's another kind of thing you want to consider is that not all your clients will listen to the instructions or will forget or something. And, and I've had clients forget and I just, you know, gently tell them. So just a reminder, you arrived five minutes early, which isn't a big deal, but I just want to remind you that please don't approach until the appointment time. I know it's a little bit of a hardship, but uh, I don't have a lobby. And so if you could help me out with that, that'd be great. You know, you just, you just remind people. Um, but I totally understand the therapist's feelings because when you're insecure about your professionalism and you're worried about confidentiality or something, and you see a client approaching your house and you're standing there with, with another client and your the tension level and you therapists out there will understand this. Your tension level just starts to really rise and you start kind of freaking out and, you might not have the most diplomatic way of dealing with that in the moment. Uh, so uh, just, you know, along those lines, as a someone who's practiced in my home for 16 years, there have been various different events that have happened that have done that to me. Like if my cats are making noise or because sometimes they fight or if they start scratching at the door 
which uh, is, you know, it's annoying or my dog starts barking or starts whining. I mean, that's another thing. You want to leave your animals out of the session. It's not, it's a, animals in a therapy session is actually a very particular kind of therapy and you need to uh, allow clients to ask for that. Plus, it's a specialized thing that you should probably get training and supervision around to have animals in a session. It's a very particular kind of therapy. Plus, if you ask a, a lot, I know therapists that will say, is it okay if, if Fido stays in the session with us? Well, what client is going to say no to that? What, what client is going to say, no, I don't want your, your mangy dog in therapy with me. Most, the vast majority of people, even if they don't want it, will say, oh yeah, sure. And, and I've had that happen to me and it's, it's not appreciated. I love animals. I have three myself and spend a good amount of time cuddling with them every day. (laughs) I love animals. And at the same time, when I go to a professional for help, I don't want to have to deal with a, with an animal. Now, having said that, if the animal was super cuddly and super nice, then I, 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 I would be fine with it. But not all animals are like that. You know, they'll, they'll get angry or fidgety or something. And that's just not, you know, a good idea to put your clients through that. And I, and as animals become more and more integrated into our society, I see more and more therapists do this sort of thing. And I I just don't think that it's a good idea. Having said that, I have many clients who will see my pets and will want them to be in the session. They'll say, oh, you know, can we have the dog? Can we have the cat in session with us? And I'll say, no, it's just, I just draw a firm boundary around that. It's just like, I have pets, yes, but I don't do that kind of therapy. And if you want that kind of therapy, you can go somewhere else. I don't say it like that, but, but I just draw a really firm boundary around that. And I think that uh, every therapist has to make a decision about that. But I, but I really recommend that if you have a home office, your animals are going to be, but some people bring their animals to the, the office in their office buildings. And I don't know, I just, I just think people need to be careful about that around clients. Okay. Another risk and problem with having home office is that your clients will see your personal life. You will be self-disclosing uh, without, you know, purpose without, uh, you know, not on purpose, uh, a lot more than you would if you had an office in an office building, you know, they're going to see the house that you live in. They're going to know how rich you are, you know, depending on your, the size of your house and the neighborhood you live in. They might see your car. They might see your pets. (laughs) They might see more of your decor. And if you are like me and, people walk in the front door and then we walk to the office. So we have to walk through the living room and walk down the hall. They're going to see my decor and, and how I keep my house and, and what kind of furniture I have and what it feels like in the house. You know, they, they might hear family members uh, across the, the house or they might, they might hear little things. They might become envious of you because of something that they see in your life. So these are major disclosures that could be a problem for some clients in that clients, the more they know about you personally, the more it might interfere with their ability to bond with you or 
they might have, it might engage their transference too much to a degree where it, it becomes a problem. Having said all that, uh, I've never experienced this as a problem. Again, because most of my clients are not uh, suffering from the sort of problems that would cause that kind of problem. And even if they were, the sort of disclosures that I disclose as a result of having a home office are not that severe. I just really think about the kinds of things that they see. I don't leave things out. If they, you know, if currently they sort of walk at the outskirts of my living room, whenever that my clients come over, I just make sure that everything is very clean and, and there's nothing out. Um, and uh, incidentally, uh, and in my bathroom, you know, I, before I I had a home office when I was, I started having a home office when I was 29. Before that, I was not a particularly clean person. In fact, I would say I was a filthy person, particularly around bathrooms. I hated washing my bathroom. I just, and I would go for, I remember living with a bunch of guys and none of us would wash the bathroom for like a year. Can you imagine one bathroom, five guys never have been washed? It is looking back. It's one of the most disgusting things I can think of. But at the time I didn't care because that was just my lifestyle at the time. I just didn't really care about cleanliness. Well, now if, if you talk to anyone around me, they can't imagine me being unclean. They will say, Oh my God, Kirk, you know, he's one of the most fastidious people. I, I have, I have Google reminders to dust. I, I like dusting. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm very neat now, but I, I wasn't until I had a home office and, you know, random people that I didn't know, new clients were showing up at my office, going into my bathroom, sitting down in my living room. You know, they could see sort of into my kitchen. I, very quickly realized the benefits of being clean. <laughs> and now I'm a very clean person and I, I like cleaning the bathroom and I like picking up after myself and I like doing various things. And so uh, it, it changed me. And I consider that to be a, an important part of, of uh, upholding the frame, they call it, of therapy. You want the frame of therapy in terms of it should be it should be professional. It should be the same. It should be uh, intentional regarding what you're putting the client through. Also, as I was saying earlier, there's going to be disclosures. You might have pictures on the wall. I, in my hallway, have a bunch of family pictures that go back to my great-great-great-grandparents. And occasionally, clients will stop and look at them. But I know I put them there not because I want clients to look at them, but because I'm okay with clients looking at them. And if they stop and look and they ask questions, I'll answer those questions. But I don't have anything on there that I'm not willing to talk about. But clients almost, I would say 99.9% .9 of clients never even look at it. They just breeze right past the, the pictures that they don't care because they're there for a session. They're there to talk about themselves. They, they're not there to investigate their therapist's lives. So... But recently I did have a client stop and look and ask me questions and it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, you know, yeah, I have a Japanese grandfather and here, this is his name and blah, blah, blah. And this is where he grew up. You know, it's not a big deal. Okay. Another concern and problem would be that clients might be turned off by the lack of professionalism. And this one I'll say, yeah, absolutely. But 
it's very rare in my experience that a client has ever, has ever, I've never had a client voice that, but of course, if a client thought that they probably wouldn't say anything. Right. But the, the vast majority of the clients who come to me will become repeat customers. So they either don't care about a home office or it's not bad enough to them to prevent them from, you know, continuing with therapy with me. And to me, if someone really wants to go to a therapist that's in a home, that's in a regular office, then they can do that. And when I tell them I operate out of a home office, then they can say, you know what? I'm, I'm really looking for someone who has a regular office. And I'll be like, cool. You know, there's, there's plenty of ther- therapists that have that. In fact, here's a few names. And so, uh, but that, that's never happened. Um, but when I think back on all the different clients who had terminated early, in my estimation, I would say there's a really small minority of clients. I can think of one client who it was like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something, or maybe not that long ago, maybe eight years ago, six years ago, who came for a first session and just seemed really uncomfortable. And I think she didn't realize it was a home office, even though I told her in the email. And I think she even said something like, oh, so this is your house? Like, we're just going to talk in your house. And, and I was like, oh boy, she doesn't feel comfortable with this. And she never came back. And so, well, the other factor is she lived like two or three hours away. And so maybe that was a factor, <laughs> but she, she seemed uncomfortable and, and that's fine. There's going to be a percentage of people that are going to be uncomfortable or they're not going to like that. And they can go to another therapist who has an office. So, you know, that's, that's my thought about that. Um, but again, as a summary, uh, the vast majority of my clients seemingly could care less. Okay. And, and what I tell people when I talk with them about this is that clients come to talk to you. They don't come for your office. They don't even necessarily come for the convenience. I mean, I, there are therapists who have the most inconvenient parking office situation and clients still come because they come for you. They, they want that relationship and they like you as a therapist. They don't care. They'll, they'll put up with the parking. They'll put up with an unprofessional home office because they really want to talk with you. And that's, that's been my experience. And it really uh, comes to light because I've moved homes. You know, I don't know. Let's see. I've moved six, seven times in the time, in the last 16 years, maybe five or five times. And Every time I move, I naturally move my home office and I'll move across town, like, you know, 10, 15 miles across town. And whenever I do that, I always expect most of my clients to terminate with me because they're like, ah, it's a little far. So I can't really do that anymore. And uh, for instance, I, my first home office was in in Beacon Hill. So it's like South Seattle. And then I moved from there to Lake City which is like all the way across town. And for many people who live in Beacon Hill, they might not ever go north enough to go to Lake City and vice versa. And so even though it's both in Seattle proper, but I thought I was going to lose all my clients, but I didn't lose a single client. They all followed me, even though for many of them, it was like, oh boy, that's really going (laughs) to add a commute to my situation. The reason why is because clients, when they bond with you, they like you and it's worth it to them to travel because finding a good therapist is hard to do. And so 
so just because your office seems a little unprofessional, it doesn't really matter in my experience. Clients come to talk to you. As another example that clients don't really care about the office is I will have a client two years in will look at a painting on my wall and say, oh, is that new? And I'll be like, nope, that's been there from the very beginning. (laughs) And it just shows how little clients are actually even taking taking in their environment. Occasionally, I'll have a client that will really kind of look around the room, but that's really rare. Most clients, they walk in, they sit down, they look at me in the face, and they just start talking, and we go back and forth, and then they leave. And they're probably extremely familiar with my face and my demeanor and the way I think and stuff, but they're, but they're just not really taking in their surroundings because they're so much in their emotions and in their thoughts and in their memories. Uh, they're not, they're not, you know, taking in their environment as much as I think we think they are. And so I don't know if I finished this thought I was going to get to earlier, which is that sometimes I'll be sitting there and my cats will be going crazy and I'll, and I'll be really worried or my neighbors will be making some weird noise or something, you know, like a, a leaf blower or something. And I'll just be sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, please stop this. I'm just thinking that in my head. So I'm listening to my client in the back of mine. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe this is happening. But in my 16 years, clients could care less because they're not, you know, they're, they'll forgive you. They'll be like, oh, OK, your cat's making noise. Big deal. Let me go on with my story here. They don't care. They're not as judgmental as I think our, our transferences will tell us how judgmental they are. I mean, certainly there are some clients, clients, <laughs> it's like, that's like Smeagol saying it. Certainly there are some clients who are judgmental, but the vast majority of them are not. They're just going to let it go because they're reasonable human beings who have reasonable sensibilities. Okay. Another consideration is that therapists are already privileged, right? We're already privileged and in a power position over our clients. And when they come to our house, in some ways, we have additional power because it's our turf and they're coming into our house. And so you just have to be aware of that and you have to account for that and you have to address it, at least in your own thoughts, as that privilege plays out in the relationship. Another thing is that you really need to, if you live with people, and I kind of touched on this before, but you, whoever, if you live, if you don't live with anyone, then you're fine. But if you live with people, then you really have to work out with them ground rules or they just can't be home when you're seeing clients. If they're not home, then great. But if they are home, you really have to lay out some ground rules. Like, uh, they can't knock on the door, for instance, they can't be within sight when the client arrives. You know, for instance, I have clients come in my front door, we walk up the stairs, we walk down a hallway, and we go to my office. So people who live with me just can't be in that zone, anywhere near that zone. They can be in a room, or they can be downstairs, or they could be outside or something, but they just can't be in that zone when clients are coming and going. And another thing is, is you, you can put a white noise generator outside your door so that if anyone does walk by, they can't hear inside. So you just have to uh, have now. If you have six kids, ages you know two to ten, the chance that you're going to be able to exert that kind of control over them is pretty slim. 
And so having a home office might be prohibited for you. And I know people who are like this, you know, we'll talk about having a home office and we'll get to this consideration. They'll be like, oh yeah, I'll never be able to keep my kids really compliant. You know, though inevitably one of them will come to the door and knock on it or inevitably one of them will fall down the stairs and cry and that will concern the client. So I just need to go to an office that's somewhere else. And so you just really need to consider the, the practicality of that. Some people might have 10 dogs in their house and that will be disruptive to the point where they can't have a home office. So those are just things you have to think about. Also, you need to, uh, you obviously are keeping, well, you're probably keeping your records in your house if you don't have electronic records. And, or even if you do have electronic records, it's on your computer that's in your house. So if you're in an office, in an office building, you can keep your records there and know that your family members aren't going to come across it. But if you're in a home office, your family members might come across patient health information. So you have to be extra careful about your security. For instance, I have a a real beefy uh, file cabinet that has a lock as a key. And when I lock it, no one can get into it and I'm the only one with the key. So you just really have to think about that. Plus with my computer, since it does have client information on it, I am always locking the computer, meaning that you lock the screen so you need a password to get in. So I never just leave my computer on uh, and walk away from the computer. I always lock it up. Okay, so what's the bottom line? The bottom line is if you want to do it as a therapist, give it a try. If it doesn't work out, try something else. But I'm telling you, a home office is just way, way better than having an office in an office building for, for money, for energy wise, just like your own, you know, energy. Uh, now having said that some people like to get away from their house and want, they want an office away from home because they actually, their home actually drains their energy. So you just have to gauge, but, but for many people, it's just way better. No commute, uh, no rent, uh, it's just it's just great, and it's better for clients in a lot of ways. So not only are you being selfish, which is fine, but you're also benefiting your clients. And so I think it's I, th- I just think it's a great option. I hope that answers your question, patron. Thanks for uh, giving me a reason to go down this rabbit hole. Please take care of yourself, everyone, and enjoy yourself because you all deserve it. Mm-hmm.